Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and encouragement to your life. For a list of messages, to stream live services, and for updates about events and more info, visit lifechurchroa.org. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. I believe God is giving us a picture today of what he's called us to in the message. Um, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. It's his job to build the church. It's our job. To build altars. It's my job to build a place where I meet with Jesus. One of the struggles with building altars is that so many times in our life we bypass them instead of build them. We go and do our own thing. And so today I want to. Uh, again, I'm not going to go through every one of my notes. I think we're going to spend some more time in worship here in just a few minutes. But I do want to share a little bit with you this morning from Genesis chapter 12. We're going to be reading quite a bit of scripture today. Genesis 12, we're going to start in verse 1. This is an important piece of scripture. We're going to read about a man named Abram. Abram is one probably... Uh, the most important human in religion as a whole. He's important to Christianity. He's important to uh, Judaism. He's important to Islam. He's remembered all in all of those things. And while each one remembers things a little slightly differently, it's important that as we read his story, we understand that he's not perfect. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says, The Lord had said to Abram, somebody say had said, had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. God did that. He's famous. Abram is famous in multiple ways. How many of you know God keeps his promises in incredible ways? He goes on and says, I, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. Now, historically speaking, this has also happened. Nations that have treated the Jewish people well have often been blessed. When the Greeks overran Palestine and, and desecrated the altar in the Jewish temple, they were soon conquered by Rome. When Rome killed Paul and many others and destroyed Jerusalem, Rome soon fell. Spain was reduced to a fifth-rate nation after the Inquisition against the Jews. Poland fell after the massacre of the Jews. Hitler's Germany went down after its atrocities against the Jews. This promise is one that God has kept. He says all the families on earth will be blessed through you. How many of you uh, love Jesus today? 
You know how you were blessed through Abram? Jesus Christ. Jesus is in the line of Abram. And God says, I'm going to bless all the nations through you. And he did just that. Every promise that God made to Abram was a promise that he kept. It's amazing promises fulfilled through the Messiah that came from Abram's lineage. God's blessing to Abram was not for his own sake or even the sake of the Jewish nation to come. It was for all of us, for everyone through Jesus. Verse 4 says, So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Now, Abram has some moments of partial obedience here. If you notice, when we first started reading, it says that he had, that the Lord had said to Abram to leave your family, leave your native country and go. Abram waited around a little bit before he did it. He also said, leave your family, but he also, he takes Lot with him, his nephew. Now, if you know the story, you know Lot ends up being a little bit of trouble. And so there's some partial obedience, yet God still keeps his promise. God still goes with Abram. And I want you to watch what happens here. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, his nephew, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. Now, Abram was a stranger in this land. Now, here, I need you to hear this because so many times we bypass altars instead of build them in this strange land because we think this is our home. I've got to build altars in this strange land for people to, for me to remember all the promises of God, for me to be in the presence of God, and for other people to encounter Jesus. Abram's in this strange land. He's in, in it's in a place called Shechem. Shechem means shoulder. It probably was called that because of the the mountains that were around it. It kind of looked like a shoulder of a body. It says, there he set up camp beside the oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Now, this was a notable oak tree in a city that became very important. It most likely got its name from the geography of the area, okay? But I want you to see how important this is as we move forward. It was in the midst of two mountains and right in the middle of the promised land, right in the middle of Canaan. Abram spends time here. Jacob spends time here. Jacob builds a well here. Joseph's bones eventually come back to Shechem and are buried in Shechem. Joshua renews Israel's commitment to God when he says, as for me and my house, we will what? He says that in Shechem. Tell me there's not something important about a place. Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord right here where Abram ends up in the middle of the promised land. Jesus meets the Samaritan woman here at the well. It's called Sakar by the time it gets to Jesus's time, but it's still the same place. This is an important place. This place has generational importance. 
Here's why it has generational importance. You ready for this? If this don't get you excited, nothing's going to get you excited today. Verse 7, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. Once Abram was in the land, God reminded him of his promise. The land he saw belonged to him and his descendants. Everywhere his physical eye could see, he could turn around 360 degrees and God had promised everything that he could see. God had promised everything that was there. And we know God follows through with the promise because we know scripture. We know what happens. We know Jacob ends up here. We know all these people end up here. Joshua ends up here proclaiming that this is the house of the Lord. You want to know something crazy though? Abram never owned a house in the land. He didn't build a house there. In fact, he lived in tents all of his life. He knew he was passing through. Even though it was God's promise, he knew this wasn't all that God had for him. He knew this was, this was a promise for his descendants, but God had even more. Can I, can I tell you, there's a lesson to be learned here that's not even a part of the sermon. We are passing through. This building is phenomenal, and I love it. We have a great facility, but it's a building. This community, fantastic, but we're passing through. I live in a beautiful, provided, a beautiful parsonage provided by this church. But I'm passing through. I want you to see what happens here. He never builds a house because God's promise was enough. You know what he does do? He buys a burial plot. <laughs> it's the only thing he does. It's the only ownership he has of the land. He buys a burial plot. God's God's promise was enough that his descendants would be there. And he just kept going through with the promise. He doesn't build a house, but I want you to watch what he does do. It says this, he said, after after the Lord said, I will give this land to your descendants, verse seven, and Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. All of the generational things that are going to happen when Abram is no longer around began with him picking up stones and setting them somewhere where he encountered Jesus, where he encountered God. And he built this thing that probably didn't look like this, but it's the stones we had sitting around. And he brings them over and he stacks them up and he says, this place has significance. This place has importance because I met Jesus here. If you're taking notes, write this down. The sermon's called Altered State. There's two ways to spell altered. You spell with an A-R or an E-R. AR is an altar like one that we build or one that we have here up front. ER is something is changing in me. Anybody ever had clothes altered? I'm a short guy. They don't make pants in my height. Okay? And so that's why uh, anytime you see me wearing pants, they're always bunched at the bottom. I can wear shorts like pants. Really what needs to be happening is all my clothes need to be altered. You, if you're lucky, you can find pants in 29s, but not 
usually in the girth that I need them. Okay. And so if I really need my clothes altered, I need them to be changed. I need them to be transformed so they fit right. But I don't always do it. Sometimes it's a celebration when you alter clothes, right? Because you lost some weight, you're feeling good about yourself. Maybe you went to the gym. Anybody checked out Pastor Baba recently? Woo, dude looking good. He's gonna have to get his clothes altered real soon. Mom gonna have to help him out here soon. And that's exciting. Sometimes having to alter things is hard. You ever had to let some pants out? That's not a good feeling. <laughs> Sometimes transformation is hard. Abram is going to be transformed. He's saying, God says, leave your family, go. And, and I have something for you, but you're going to have to change. You're going to have to get out of where you are. You're going to have to step out and trust me. When we're altered, we're transformed by God. Here's the really cool part. There's a place where that happens. The altar. Don't, don't twist this. I'm not talking about this spot right here. Pastor Sarah said it. There's nothing special about this spot other than we have designated it as a place of prayer. But you can have an altar anywhere. My grandmother had a rocking chair that was an altar. And she'd sit in that chair and she'd read her Bible and she'd pray. I've told you the stories, not the little Bible, the big family one that nobody was allowed to touch but her. You see, altars are where we build them. In obedience, Abram steps out. He comes to this place. God says, I've got something for you. Abram says, the promise is enough. Here, I've met with God. Here, I've seen the power of God. Here, I've seen the presence of God. Here, I will praise. Here, I will pray. And he builds up an altar in this land that he's simply just passing through. It was a place of prayer, a place of praise, power, promise, and presence. We have to build altars also. We have to meet with God at our own place where we remember the sacrifice Jesus made for sin, where we submit to God as living sacrifices. Romans 12 says, present yourself, give yourself as a living sacrifice. You do that on an altar. Verse 8 says, after Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. So what's an altar? An altar is any structure or on which offerings such as sacrifices are made for religious purposes. That's the definition that you find in a dictionary. 
It was usually in this time a raised platform of some sort, or later, later a raised platform with some flat surface. But when Abram did it, it was a pile of rocks. It was a pile of rubble. He took nothing that people would throw away and he created something that was a memorial to the God that he served, that was a memorial to the promise that was made, to the power that he took, that he understood, to the presence that he experienced. And he praised God and prayed there. (laughs) There are over 400 references to altars in the Bible. The first one is in Genesis 8.20 when Noah built an altar to the Lord after leaving the ark. But they were present all the way back at the beginning of Genesis because Cain and Abel brought sacrifices. And while it doesn't say there was an altar there, they presented it somewhere. An altar always represents a place of consecration, a place where something, someone is set apart. Before God gave his law to Moses, men made altars wherever they were out of whatever material was available. An altar was often built to commemorate an encounter with God that had a profound impact on someone like this one. Abram built an altar because God reiterated his promise. Jacob, Isaac, Jacob, David all built altars. Gideon and worshipped having a unique encounter with God. It usually represented a person's desire to set themselves apart fully for God. God had worked in a person's life in such a way that the person desired to create something tangible to remember it. Here's the thing about altars. They remind us. They remind others about the greatness of God. David wrote in Psalm 34, he said, taste and see that the Lord is good. He wrote this in a cave when there was a bunch of guys around who nobody was sure what was about to happen. He created an altar in that moment with just his words. In the broadest sense, an altar is merely a designated place where a person consecrates themselves to someone or something. Church buildings have altars for prayer, communion, weddings, and other sacred purposes. Some Christians create their own altars for personal worship as visible reminders of presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. But when the God of the universe took residence in his people, took up a place to live inside of us, our hearts became altars. Where the war between the flesh and the spirit rages and when we surrender control of our lives to the control of the Holy Spirit there at the altar, we're in effect laying that area on the altar before God. Abram was an altar builder. He builds altars that are places of prayer, praise, power, promise, and presence. And I love that when we do our part, God does his every time. I want to keep reading because sometimes in life we come to the place where we stop building altars and we start bypassing them. 
We come to church to check off a box that we were here. But we don't encounter Jesus. We go about our lives, our daily lives, and we forget that every day we're supposed to be in the presence of Jesus. Experience the power of Jesus. Be reminded of the promises of God and to praise and worship him at the altar of our hearts. So let's keep reading. Go to Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. Building altars is essential. But watch what happens when we don't. Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan. What a, can you think of a better time to go to the altar than when a famine is happening? To go into the presence of God and say, hey, here I am, God, I need you right now. I can't think of a better time to build an altar than when there's a famine. I want you to watch what Abram does instead. Abram goes down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. He walked out of the land that God had promised him into a place that he knew could supply his need instead of depending on God. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please, he said, tell them you're my sister. Then they'll spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed how beautiful she was. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarai was taken into his palace. And Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants and camels. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me? He demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them. And he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all the possessions. Now, a famine was a serious problem and Abram was right to be concerned. But he goes into, he originally went into this land and he said, man, this is a great land. Thank you, God, for giving it to me. He built an altar. And then on his way out, probably passed right by that altar where he had given God praise, where he had been in the presence of God, where he'd seen the power of God, where the promises of God had been rang in his ears, where he had praised God and where he had prayed to God. He walked right past the altar, bypassing it and moving into taking care of his own needs his own way. He took things into his own hands by bypassing the altar. Let me tell you a secret. Bypassing altars is dangerous. Bypassing altars is dangerous. When we bypass the altar, we may think the actions are okay and have no, and no harm can come. And I'm sure Abram thought that. He went into Egypt instead of coming to God. And while God did protect him while he was there, he came out of Egypt with some excess baggage. He came out of Egypt with some things that are going to cause problems moving forward. While in Egypt... 
Abram and Sarai pick up a uh, female slave. And they take her back. And eventually, when they feel like they're not going to be able to have children, Abraham's wife, or Abram's wife says, hey, go sleep with my, my servant and she can give us a kid. This creates so much strife in Abram's life for years to come. By the way, it's created some of the conflict that we've seen erupt in our own world today because he, he bypassed the altar. You see how important it is for us to build altars in our lives? Because when we bypass the altars, when we bypass the altars in our lives, when we don't build them, when we don't stop and praise God, when we don't encounter Jesus on a regular basis at the altars of our lives, bad things happen. It's dangerous. When I live my life doing things my way and finding solutions to my problems my way instead of his way. Bypassing altars is dangerous. So what happens when we bypass an altar? Well, when we stop building altars and bypass them, we flee the presence of God. We forget the promises of God. We forfeit the power of God. All the things we get at the altar, all the things we get when we build the altar, the promises of God, the power of God, the presence of God, gone. We fail to praise God for what he does and what he does best. And that's taking care of us, being there for us, walking ahead of us, behind us, and to both sides, protecting us from the things that the enemy would throw at us. And we forego prayer. Scripture doesn't tell us. I'm sure Abram prayed a little bit in Egypt, but it doesn't tell us that he ever sought God in Egypt. He had everything he needed. But he bypassed the altar. We build altars to be in the presence of God, to be reminded of the promises of God, to experience the power of God, to praise God, and to pray to God. When we bypass him, we give up all of those things. What does that mean, pastor? Are you telling me I got to come to the altar every Sunday? No, 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 no. Don't mistake this. I'm telling you to build altars in your life, places of memorial. Let your kids see what God has done in your life. Let your family come to your house and get messed up in your house because they encounter the presence of God because you built an altar in every room, including the one they're going to sleep in. How about your workplace, man? Go into your workplace and build some altars. Go into your workplace and invite the presence of God in. Ask for the power of God to come into that place. Pray and praise God and remember the promises of God that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Not at your workplace, not in your house, not with your children. Nowhere that you go will the gates of hell prevail. We got to be altar builders. We got to build altars. To watch what happens. Abram gets this because he gets back to building altars. Genesis 13, verses 1 through 4. Abram leaves Egypt. He's been condemned by a pagan king. 
He had bypassed the altars of his life. He's walking out with more baggage than he came in with. He doesn't even know the consequences of what has happened yet. But he's going to learn them. And by the way, we're going to see this lying to kings repeated generation after generation after generation in his family. Because he bypassed the altar. He comes out of Egypt. He traveled north into the Negev along with his wife and Lot and all they owned. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages toward Bethel and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai where they had camped before. This, it says, was the same place where Abram had built the altar and there he worshiped the Lord. You see, no matter how long you have, you've bypassed altars, you can come back. You can come back. No matter how long you've done things your own way, God wants you to come back. You skip down to verse 14 in that same chapter. It says, after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I'm giving all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I'll give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction for I'm giving it to you. Verse 18, so Abram moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the oak grove. There he built another altar to the Lord. We need to get back to building altars. Altars are a place of prayer, praise, power, promise, and presence where we are altered, where we are changed, where we are transformed into who God wants us to be, what God wants us to be. The church of Jesus Christ. takes rocks and broken things to build the altar here. Geological application is relevant here. There are volcanic explosions in our life, seismic events, kind of that grinding of life that we go through. You could take hard things and arrange them before the Lord or you can drag the rocks around and be burdened by them. when you're frustrated at lugging them around you get mad and throw them at somebody else see we got choices with what we do with these things in our lives the way you build an altar is to bring those hard broken things before the Lord and put them there and I promise you when you present yourself to the Lord when you present those things to the Lord it'll change you it'll alter you put you in an altered state and you'll live in the presence of God experience the power of God be reminded of the promises of God all while you pray and praise the God of the universe 
you bow your heads and close your eyes. Some of us have been bypassing altars, places of prayer, praise, power, promise, and presence. Today's the day to start building altars. Today's the day to stop bypassing altars and start building them. heads bowed and your eyes closed. I want you to listen to this. David, King David. One day when he was running from Saul, who was trying to kill him, he bypasses the altar and he ends up in the camp of the enemy. He ends up in a city ran by his enemies. And he gets there and he realizes he's made a mistake in bypassing the altar. And so he begins to act like he's crazy. He begins to walk into walls. He starts to drool and kind of act like he's crazy. And the king looks at his men and he says, don't I have enough? madmen in my own city get this guy out of here and his enemies escort him out he realized in the midst of his enemy that he had bypassed the altar and he comes out and he ends up in this cave and his family and his friends and some of the men who are going to follow him end up finding him in the cave and he he says this he writes this I prayed to the Lord and he answered me he freed me from all my fears Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their face. This is a man who has been altered. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see the Lord is good. All the joys of those who take refuge in him. church we got to get back to building altars altars where we taste and see that the Lord is good altars that show that goodness to our world and to the people that we encounter altars that remember what Jesus has done for us and that proclaim it to the world This morning, I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand all around the room. We're going to praise God for just a minute. We're going to sing through a a song together. And we're going to take communion together as a part of our commitment to building altars. What do you mean, Pastor? Why are we taking communion to build an altar? Well... Communion is about remembering Jesus' death for us. About remembering that he's coming back for us. That remembering that he loves us and that he gave his body and that he shed his blood. It is creating an altar. 
And so we're gonna practice what we preach today. So we're gonna praise for just a minute. We're gonna seek God. And then we're gonna build an altar together. Amen? Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Don't forget to visit us at LifeChurchROA on Instagram and Facebook for updates, service times, and ways to get involved. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we would love to partner with you on your next steps. Visit LifeChurchROA.org slash Jesus to learn more. We love you and we can't wait to see you soon.